Today, we'll start with media. Our local media scene continues to shift with a TV station in Medford that long identified itself as the news leader, dropping local news broadcasts. That's one item we'll get to in this month's edition of our media segment, Signals and Noise. Our regular guests are here. Christopher Lucas is an assistant professor of communications and media and cinema program at Southern Oregon University. Hi, Chris. Good morning. Jesse Kretzer-Hartenstein is back with us as well, assistant professor of journalism and mass communication at Cal Poly Humboldt. Welcome back, Jesse. Hi there. So before we get to the local angle, let's talk about the CNN town hall event with Donald Trump in New Hampshire in front of a partisan crowd. The criticism has been long and loud of CNN for the event. The guy is running for president. What uh, what are the issues here that you see, Jesse? Oh, so many. <laughs> so I, I think something that um, has been talked about uh, in news media a little bit, but maybe not enough surrounding all this, is that, you know, giving giving the voice straight to someone who obviously says lots of things that maybe aren't true um, can be, you know, can be sort of problematic to the for viewers and for our nation, really. Um, and that's, you know, that's, it's hard when there's not enough context given. Obviously, the moderator kind of jumped in and cut him off a few times. But that's something that we're seeing more and more of with, um, you know, the current news cycles and the fact that people are getting their news from, you know, clips on social media without the context. Um, and so it's really just, you know, it's it's basically giving a voice and giving more coverage to the same things that have been causing problems for years now with Trump of, you know, him sort of spreading um, spreading false information. So that's that's one of the problems. Um, I could go on and on, but I'll, I'll stop there for the moment. Let's, let's let Chris get in a, a take in here, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would want to maybe uh, jump off of the point Jesse raised about clips on social media. I think, you know, one of the dynamics here that's a little underexamined is, you know, just the the current struggles of cable news, uh, in particular, but also just cable as an industry, which is really in in free fall. Um, the number of people, you know, cord cutting is increasing. The you know the subscriber base is down to something like. 40% of what it was um, just a couple of years ago. It's happening really fast. And so if you, you realize that audience is smaller, also, I mean, cable news is already a fraction of that audience. So outlets like CNN are just sort of struggling for relevance and for, you know, um, kind of staying in this conversation. And so when I look at events like this, I see in some ways it feels like a desperate grab uh, for attention, and the audience for that event for the for the town hall was around three million, which is you know five or six times larger than its typical uh, evening audience. Uh, so you know mission accomplished there, I suppose. Uh, but I really and I see these programs in many ways as the the top of a you know a waterfall a cascade of. Um, material that people have different agendas for, right? So obviously, you know, politically, these, you know, uh, these candidates, they now have a lot of content to push out to their followers, and um, CNN has content to push out onto its other platforms where it's trying to gain more relevance. Huh, okay, so, so yeah, different, different uh, kinds of... of uh motivations here. Obviously, Trump wants to get on TV. Live TV is great because he can't get uh, fact-checked, but that presents an issue for the cable operator in this case, or the cable network, CNN, which is putting him on unfiltered. And I think there's there's kind of a, you know, I've heard a few defenses of CNN, which feel a little bit like false equivalency to me, where they're saying, well, listen, they'll, they'll give a town hall to anybody who wants to come on, and certainly President Biden will get a town hall. 
And I think that's that's a little bit of a simplistic view because you know this you know when Trump who is is really insulted and denigrated CNN for years uh, agrees to go on that network. It's really billed as this kind of like heavyweight fight. You know, it's almost more of a sporting event than a news event. Uh, the media critic John Alsop wrote, um, I thought really uh, smartly that that night CNN was not covering the news, um, but they were they were making the news, and in some ways it was more about CNN than even about Trump. Final thoughts there, Jesse. Yeah, um, I, I I appreciate that um, that Chris pointed out, you know, that this was obviously kind of CNN orchestrating it. Um, but it's noteworthy that in in the days following, um, CNN's viewership and ratings actually went down significantly. Um, so you know, for the actual town hall event. Yeah, it kind of it boosted their ratings, but it doesn't look like that's actually having the positive effect that they were looking for. Um, obviously, they're kind of trying to move to more of a neutral position in, you know, having coverage and having viewers that are from the right and not just the left, but it doesn't seem to be working in their favor. And I think that's just, it's kind of noteworthy since, you know, they do need to, they do need to make money. They are for profit. This is what they're doing, you know, whether they're creating the news or covering the news, um, that's how they're trying to stay in business. And it's might not work the way that they were hoping it would. I think the winner was MSNBC. <laughs> Apparently so, yes. Anybody who didn't right. care could talk about it later on. Where This is Signals and Noise on the Jefferson Exchange. Jesse Kretzer-Hartenstein is an assistant professor and PR guru at Cal Poly Humboldt. Chris Lucas is assistant professor and program coordinator of digital cinema at Southern Oregon University. If you have some input to the conversation, join us at 8, uh, rather at uh, 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 JX at jeffnet.org. We're taking emails at jx at jeffnet.org. Let's go to the event we billboarded at the top, which is which is the changing local news scene once again. So the CBS affiliate in Medford, KTVL, which long identified itself as the news leader and had the ratings to back it up for a long time, uh, opted to drop its local newscasts a couple of weeks ago. Sinclair owns the station. Sinclair now, instead of a local news, offers a national newscast with local segments. Oddly enough, that uh, the, the local broadcasts had been coming out of the same building in Medford as the Mail Tribune, which is the newspaper that went out of business in January. So there's the, the whole Medford situation, media situation. Then also the Oregonian uh, put out a lengthy article this week about uh, the difference in the Register Guard in Eugene, long one of the major respected newspapers in Oregon, uh, getting gutted by uh, the Gannett chain and is down to six staffers in Eugene, no local editor. They have to call the folks in Salem and say, what should we be doing today? So uh, big changes on the local media scene that continue to happen. Uh, initial thoughts here, Chris? Yeah, I mean, this has been on our agenda a lot of times on this segment just because mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a long time trend and, and really troubling. The new, you know, the new wrinkle here to me is, you know, we, we've talked about ghost newspapers before, um, and uh, this may be the first time I really have heard or noticed a ghost news station <laughs> in the broadcast area. Um, I mean, this idea of a ghost you know, news is where there's a news outlet that continues in its name, but then the, the, the quality and, and quantity and, and, and scope and scale of its editorial coverage just starts to slope off, right? Um, and this usually comes from a couple of directions. Maybe a corporate owner takes over from elsewhere and just starts you know, sort of shrinking that and turning it more into an advertising platform than a news platform. Um, Or just to save money, they start shrinking the newsroom because those are expensive operations. Um, So those are kind of the two ways that these, and I think we're seeing them both. You know, we've seen them both 
in this uh, in this region. And yeah, it's um, yeah, we're 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 coming to a point. I mean, I'll, I'll stop there, but I think there's a. I think we're going to need to start thinking of some new models to to get local news covered. Well, and there are some already that we can talk about, like Ashland.news. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that in a moment. But uh, I want yeah. to get Jesse's take on, uh, and you've watched this as well in the Humboldt Bay area with uh, with uh, the, the Humboldt, Humboldt State Station going out of business. Yeah, yeah. Our, our NPR station is not um, doing any, uh, well, I shouldn't say not doing any, doing very, very, very little local news. Um, and I wouldn't even call it news, really, what, they're, what they are doing locally. Um, so, yeah, huge loss down here for that. And we've definitely seen a lot of the same things happening. Um, and it is, it's kind of, um, it's kind of a similar model in that, you know, it's, as Chris was saying, it's these, you know, larger corporations kind of absorbing and buying up the the local news channels and local newspapers and things like that, and then just slashing and burning the actual editorial staff. Though I did see with um, KTVL, apparently Sinclair is going to bring in one reporter eventually to cover Southern Oregon, which just it blows my mind that like that's the consolation prize that they might have eventually one reporter as though one reporter can actually, you know, cover all of the important local news that's happening in Southern Oregon. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet that is sort of being touted as this consolation prize. Like, well, there will be some local and yeah, some is better than none, but I think it kind of masks the, the larger problem and sort of just puts a, a bandaid on it. Uh, and as we know, you know, people need their local news. Um, and I, I think finding those other, finding those other, um, ways to get the information, as Chris mentioned, is going to be more and more important. Um, you know, the, the ways that we actually gather it and receive it as the public, but also different channels, um, you know, that, that reporters or media outlets can be, uh, can be utilizing to get the information to the, the local populations. Yeah, we were talking to uh, Jesse Kretzer-Hartenstein from uh, Cal Poly Humboldt and Chris Lucas from uh, Southern Oregon University in our regular feature uh, called uh, Signals and Noise, where we're talking about the local media market. You can join us on the exchange, not just the local media market, but uh, media matters generally. Uh, join us at jx at jeffnet.org. While we were talking, Jesse, I went to KTVL's website. It still refers to itself as News 10, and the only local item from Saturday is identified as by news staff. Chris, you were talking about models. We touched on uh, ashland.news, which set up to take the sort of psychic space that the Ashland Daily Tidings once occupied, uh, which was also owned by the Mail Tribune also taken offline uh, several years ago. Uh, and some of the same people are involved in that operation as some of the same people from Mail Tribune are involved in the Rogue Valley Times now. So um, some op- alternatives have certainly popped up fairly quickly. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think, uh, you know, the Rogue Valley uh, Times is a, a, a great addition. It's an interesting model because it's more regionally based, right? It's still, a, you know, uh, ownership from outside, and then there's a variety of nonprofits, our non-commercial models popping up. Um, there's a group out of the University of Oregon called the Agora Project, and um, a couple of professors run that. Mm-hmm. They've been and on they're, Yeah, they've done been to the region a couple times, and you know they're they're talking through a lot of really interesting models, things like building community infrastructures of for people to kind of come together and collect information and get reliable information out sort of almost like sort of civic groups or civic communities, especially for some of those more routine kinds of information that are really important, like, you know, the city council meetings and the school board meetings and some of these 
some of these kinds of uh, lower level um, uh, stories that the local news would cover, but it's you know it's hard to sort of make money doing that. Well, and plus other... you know in a world of doom scrolling, Jesse, I mean, uh, are we really in tune with things like you know when the water commission meets to decide on rates and things like that? You know, mo- most people are not, um, and that's a that's a fair point. Though I, I think when the information is out there, if it's actually going to be affecting people, I, you know, people who want to be informed are going to pay attention to that. And, um, yeah, I mean, we have down here, actually, I'll, I'll um, slightly change the subject, but um, we have the Lost Coast Outpost, which is mm-hmm. an online, fully online um, news site that's kind of, that's kind of cheeky and, and fun as well. But they're starting to use AI to cover stories that are specifically, you know, about things like the city council meeting. You know, rather than sending one of their journalists over to the meeting, they're just looking at the agenda, having AI generate a story. They're saying, you know, right at the top of the screen that this is AI generated. But, um, you know, and I, I know lots of people have mixed feelings about that, though I think it's kind of brilliant as a way to keep local journalism alive because now their reporters and their journalists don't have to necessarily sit at the city council meeting. They can be out covering breaking news or, you know, they can go gra- gather the facts from a breaking news story, pop the facts into, um, you know, into a chat bot to write the story so that they can move on to the next one. And, you know, as long as there's, as long as there's editors looking at this stuff and it's not just putting it out there, I think it, I think there is, you know, some value in that as far as keeping local journalism alive. Wow, AI at the Lost Coast Outpost. We'll have to look into that a little <laughs> further. Okay, uh, let's do it with the pick threes. We only have two minutes for this. Chris, go first. Oh, gosh. Uh, well, um, I will say I've been watching Silo, which I was on Apple TV, which is a dystopian series about this group kind of stuck in a bunker. They don't know how or why they're there. It's pretty pretty interesting. I wanted to plug the Student Film Festival from SOU that's going to be coming up. There's one screening on June 7th at the Varsity, um, but also another, we hope, on the 14th of June, which would be kind of more for the community at large and selling tickets to the Varsity website. That's about a, about 100 minutes of films, short films from um, SOU students. Okay. So that'll be a good time. And then the third one's a little, a little odd, but uh, the, the U.S. Surgeon General. Um, dropped an advisory yesterday on social media yeah. and the youth and sort of mental health among youth. It's a short read, but real worth uh, worth checking out. Okay, we'll provide links to all those. Jesse, what's your three in the 45 seconds we have? All right, so uh, we have the Kinetic Sculpture Race coming up down oh, here, yes. which is mm-hmm. super exciting. And um, KRFH, our student-run radio station, will actually be covering that with play-by-play um, out on the scene. So be sure to tune into that Memorial uh, Memorial Day weekend. And then um, a fun one, Whitney Cummings. She's a comedian with a couple of Netflix specials that are super hilarious. Um, and I'm really excited because she's going to be coming to town and I get to see her on Friday. But check out her Netflix specials. Those are fun. And then um, the the Hooperman Lab, Lab podcast is one to definitely listen to. It's about science and science-based tools for everyday life. And Andrew Huberman, who hosts it, he's a neuroscientist um, from Stanford University. Okay. Super smart guy. All right. Jesse and Christopher at Signals and Noise, thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. This is JPR.